a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, and welcome back to uh, one of our final end-of-the-year cleanup shows. I am joined by... Tim Cockshaw. Thank you, Tim. Mark is still uh, in a work hellhole and uh, will be until January when he returns to us. So uh, Tim and I, for a couple of weeks, are going to just sort of clean things up before the holidays officially get uh, absolutely crazy for everybody. What are we, literally a week from Christmas. It's a week, today, right? Uh, no, we're, we're, uh, we're, no, what are we, uh, we're two weeks. Two weeks from Christmas. We're two, two weeks, weeks from two Christmas. Weeks from Christmas. This, is, this is where we are. Because we have been caught up in our, uh, you didn't make the, the voting meeting because you actually uh, were I, out you know, earning money. I had to actually go make some money yeah. uh, in order to uh, maintain yeah. my prestigious position yeah. in the Los Angeles Film Critic Association. <laughs> but Association, the, yeah. It was, like uh, uh, did you get a report on the meeting from anybody? Did you oh, talk? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw yeah. the minutes and, yeah. uh, and, and of course, our choices, interesting choices. They were, for those who... who I, I, I sent my votes in by proxy. Mark Mark did that for me. Mark yes. proxied me. Mark proxied Tim. Uh, Tim was very funny. You didn't vote for anybody for director because you didn't feel anybody earned it. Nobody stuck the landing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody stuck the landing, not a single one, and I and I and I mean that. Nobody really stuck the landing. Yeah, I mean there are some there are some efforts that I I liked, uh, but yeah, it it was you know it. This is one of those years like last year where I kind of felt a lot of really good films, but nothing, no greatness kind of stood out. But um, nothing that made you want to go see it again. Take yeah. a friend, make that phone call, uh, or just ruminate over it, even if it's just a personal thing. A film, Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, uh, that's not a film that I, you know, sent people to see <laughs> specifically, but it, it, but it lived with me, and I ruminated over it. Lincoln, yeah. a couple of years ago, I yeah. ruminated over these films. These were really thoughtful films. This year, good movies. The Martian, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it was this really really fun movie, big movie. Matt Damon, all kinds. Ridley Scott is back, and all of that. But that's the most fun I had all year. You know, movie. you know, The Martian is hilarious. You've heard this, right? Uh, it's, it's one of the best comedies of the year. Well, the Golden Globes <laughs> is just about it. Look, and Matt is funny in that movie. Uh, and, but come on, come on, cut it out. It, 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 this is this Globes. is where the Golden Globes just get completely ridiculous when they when the, that that comedy drama thing. Yeah. Which uh, there's always a ringer in there. There's always a dramatic film that they stick in comedy because they they, they can't figure out how to squeeze six of the best. And they and they're going to need those people to come to the show. Exactly. You want <laughs> so you know we need we need those people at they, the show. They want Matt Damon at the show. They should just make up a category called the category for the film that doesn't fit into any of the other there categories. But we need these people to come to the yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. Call it that. So so funny. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Spotlight uh, as a as a top film. The thing that's wonderful about Spotlight is that it is an ensemble movie. Nothing stands yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Everything is good, but nothing stands out. It's very measured. Thoughtful uh, and relentless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you know, to be honest with you, and, and you know, we, you know we, nominations all around, mm-hmm. um, it's still not a film that I would actually send people to. You got to go see, you know, oh man, you know, there's this movie called Spotlight. <laughs> and you got to, no, you don't say that sentence about yeah. that movie. Yeah. It, it's uh, what I thought was interesting in the voting, and uh, I was surprised that Carol was not uh, in the running when it came down to, to best picture. Because it's interesting, it, it for the the you know there's a dynamic in the room that's always really interesting. And you, for those who who kind of follow this show for a few years, you know, we've explained this before. You start each category at a different point in the room. You sort of pick a random person to start, 
and they will give three points to their their top uh, choice for the award, uh, two points to their number two, and then one point to the third. And you sort of roll through the room, and you notice that there will be a, a wave for a certain film. You think, oh, my goodness, it's really – and then somebody else starts a wave for another one, and you – it's very uh, it's very dynamic. It's very fluid. Well, the and weight the weighted voting you know, allows for all kinds of possibilities. All kinds, and it's very interesting. And and sometimes it's very clear there is one film that is insanely popular, and uh, the top two point getters then goes into a runoff. And we used to do a show of hands on that, which got a little hazy. And then uh, so now we do secret ballot and a little piece of paper, and you write your choice down and you drop it in, and everybody at the you know the the uh, the, the executive the officers at the front they sit there and they, they count them real quickly and then you know you have you wind up with a winner and sometimes it's uh, a little bit more anonymous and probably a little bit more it was interesting i will not without divulging anything there were a few cases this year where um in a given category there were two films the final two and we always and in most categories we announced the runner-up so you know you can guess your own but there were cases where one had a ton of points and then number two didn't have so many points but the number two had more threes and mm. fewer twos and ones, and the one with the most had a lot of twos and a lot of ones. Mm. And then it, you go into the runoff, and it was the one with more threes, the one that didn't have as many points but had more support as the better film. Mm-hmm. It was no more top choice points. And uh, that was always interesting. But Carol was right there behind, you know, with Mad Max on a, on a couple of those categories. And then it wound up being Spotlight and Mad Max at the top. We gave Best Director, of course, to George Miller. But I thought it was really interesting that Mad Max, which is about as commercial and digital and sort of, uh, you know, uh, obvious Hollywood filmmaking as can be, yet very personal, it was right in there with these very classic yeah. sort of critics films like Spotlight and Carol. Yeah, and that was a really interesting contrast. Yeah, 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 it, uh, and and not to mention the way that it actually went. Yeah, uh, it'll make an, it'll make for an interesting evening. I am just in awe of the fact that that uh, when I was nerding out as a kid over stuff like you know not necessarily even Star Wars. I mean, how weird is it now that that we're here we are in <laughs> 2015. And uh, we've got we've got another Star Wars film, another Mad Max film, another Rocky film. Yeah, it's like has any all of the sort of iconic films, and you know, and and, and, and let me say, I, I say this sincerely because I joke a lot, but those yeah. films really are iconic to me. Those were those were sort of like personality shaping films for yeah. me uh, at a certain age, particularly if you go back to the Star Wars films because I was very young then. Yeah, uh, and they sort of built my my sort of understanding of, of, of big Hollywood cinema because that's when big Hollywood cinema started to happen. It did. In that particular way. That's our generation. Our generation would usher that in and we were formed by that stuff. So it's really a strange thing now, 30 plus years on, 40 some yeah. years on, these, to see all of these things coming back. These mythic sagas are still following us. Yeah. And it is it is kind of amazing. But I never would have imagined that when I was nerding out as a kid and I was so excited for this low-budget Australian movie, and all I knew about it was it had it had cars crashing on the commercial, and uh, and some guy in black, black leather. leather, and then that poster of the, with the helmet and the and the and the sawed-off shotgun and the black leather, and I was just like, that's so cool, that's so cool. <laughs> Never would I have imagined that you know, forty some odd years later, I'm I'm uh, I'm a member of a critics organization, and I'm voting to give that thing you know awards <laughs> like best director, a, a sequel, it, and it's, it's the same guy. It's the same director, you know. The same it's, director, you know. It's it's it is weird. Interesting that, though that um, all of that, uh, being as it is, that this movie, that movie, yeah, is such a different movie. 
It is. It's a, it's a movie with a different ethos. But but Miller has said that himself. <laughs> you know, he has he has even said he could not have picked up the story because the original Mad Max ser- films were about then, and so much in the world has changed. This is about now, mm-hmm. and it's about you know. Uh, I mean, I, I think the way that he described it because if it's the funny thing is if you think about it, um, the the time frame of when the when the Road Warrior took mm. place that would be taking place right about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms, the the with thirty about forty years yeah. in its yeah. future. Yeah, and so now he has to reinvent the Mad Max saga as, as something that is not the future beyond the seventies, but mm-hmm. the future beyond where we are right now. Right, so. Right. He's kind of he's 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 reinvented it as something uh, more dynamic, more relevant, and I and uh, I think it's it's paying dividends. That thing is going to land a ton of Oscar nominations and more feminine uh, and more and with all the same elements, yeah. all the, all the, the original elements, the yeah. action, the adrenaline, uh, the high speed chases, a, yep. a certain amount of violence, all the same elements, but with the but 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 all applied to a completely different set of meaning. It's uh, and, and I'm glad that it's getting the awards recognition because it kind of underperformed as a tentpole movie. It didn't get the big numbers that I think Warner Brothers was hoping it would get, I think in large part because it was rated R. Mm. Uh, it did not have a star in it that people sort of connect to. It's not, you know, it's not Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or somebody sitting there. Or, Tom Hartley and Charlize Theron. Yeah, or... yeah, there's no Jennifer Lawrence, right? There's no, all those, you know, it's it, Tom Hardy is not a household name, and Charlize Theron is hardly somebody that people associate with tentpoles. So um, it didn't really make the giant numbers that I think Warner was hoping for, but it's now suddenly it's getting that critical recognition, and I think this is one of those rare cases where a commercial movie um, actually will benefit from Academy Awards. Usually it's sort of like, well, you know... Awards nomination, yeah. For, you know, Ava- did Avatar really need any awards? Was it going to get anything out of awards it didn't already have? No. Yeah. No. Neither was, you know, Titanic and even Star Wars back in, in 77, 78, so... Anyway, it's going to be a very interesting awards season. Um, well, it's already interesting in, in, in terms very. of the things that aren't there. Yeah. The fact that The Danish Girl is not a film that's really registering. Isn't that way. interesting? And Carol, too, for that matter. Carol, a film I appreciate more than a film that I would want to award. If the, if the, if the talented Mr. Ripley did not exist, yeah. I would feel differently about Carol, <laughs> which is an interesting thing. Yeah. See, Carol is a film I really love a lot, but I do recognize that it's got a, it seems to have a ceiling to its appeal. Um, and, uh, you know, it had a moment where people thought it was, it was gaining momentum when the New York film critics gave it their mm. best picture and best director and all that. It's a then, cool movie. It's very cool. Well, it's I mean, very cold. It's very Patricia like Highsmith. Yeah. It's very Patricia Highsmith. And, and, uh, even with talented Mr. Ripley, you know, there's something about Highsmith and, and we'll move on to DVDs here in a moment. And by the way, we, we, we should preface this by saying we have not had to, we're, we're cleaning up with a lot of titles that have come in but Tim have we had even remotely a second <laughs> to watch anything other than screeners for awards no. it's it had to be very in the present oh my gosh it's been nuts it's just been crazy I, I think the last 10 days before voting I was I was burning through like four movies a day and it was just it was horrendous it's just you get you get sick of it at a certain point don't you yeah and which is kind of tough because you know the, there's movies that you've been looking forward to and you and now you're tired. You got to, you know, the Revenant and all this kind of stuff. And you get a little, and, and then you have to think to yourself, well, wait, wait a minute now. Maybe I'm, 
being a little hard on this movie yeah, because I'm sick of it. Yeah, and my eyes just, are burning. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, anyway, yeah, it's that bit's over now. Yeah. So oh man, it just it, it really does. It it starts when you get that first screener, usually around the end of October. It was Grandma. It was Grandma. It was, that was Grandma. The first one, Lily Tomlin. The first one. It was Grandma. Yeah. And you get that, and you're like, well, good. They're getting them out early this year, and you're all excited, and you pop it in, and you watch it, and you go, oh, good. I'm really getting a handle on this. And then by the time like your Thanksgiving <laughs> week, that the, the the couple of days before Thanksgiving. Giving and they're rolling in four and five a day, eating pie and, and watching movies, baby. Oh, you're eating just looking at it, and you're movies. like, "Ah, oh, I'm so sick of this." And then something will come in that's supposed to be good, and you just go, "Screw you! I'm <laughs> sick of all of you." And it's just you just you get angry at the screeners. You get angry at them. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, it's it's it's. Uh, so we have not had a, had a chance to really go through a lot of this. We're we're cleaning things up because a lot of this stuff warrants mentioning. But. Um, the uh, the last point I was going to make was um, that uh, I I find it I, I, I find it really really interesting in a, in awards years how um, the, the, there's a there's sort of a thing that that happens where the first you know the National Board of Review will weigh in always with something that's completely out of left field and this year it was Mad Max which mm-hmm. was interesting because they kind of saw what a lot of others didn't. And uh, and then the New York film critics who always try to do it earlier than L.A. because they got mad at us because we beat them to the punch for a few years. So now they do it ridiculously early, like December 1st. And um, we're always going to be, you know, around December 6, 7, 8. That's yeah. just what makes sense. And we see us. more movies. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, and then the Golden Globes follow usually the Thursday after, you know, we vote on a Sunday. It's usually, you know, we get four days of limelight and then we disappear under the umbrella of the Golden Globes. And then and SAG is in there somewhere. And then, you know, yes, yeah, SAG slots in the WG and then all the guilds start weighing in. And, and it's and uh, it's always really, really interesting. The prognostication process used to usually ride on a few critics groups, in the Golden Globes. And now it's a it, it it's almost uh, overloaded. People really get sick of the season. But what I find really interesting is it, it, this: if you sort of put all the award stuff to the side, if you just sort of forget about the whole pun, you know, the pompousness of the season and how everybody has to put on a pretty face and walk way too many red carpets, and you know, actresses get sick and tired of having to buy eighteen different dresses because <laughs> so that nobody sees them wearing the same thing for every ceremony, and they have to get their hair and their makeup done a million times and everybody really just wants to sit at home and you know watch the Oscars nobody actually wants to go to these shows but apart from all of that stuff um, it is it is really interesting to read the tea leaves over the years and see what the how the opinions change and what people value and what they don't and uh, I continue to see what I've seen for the last 10 years now which is that there is a uh, with very few exceptions Mad Max being this year there continues to be a real rejection of uh, big Hollywood movie making and yeah. a real embracing of things like Spotlight, which, you know, what Spotlight does is it, it refuses to be a movie that has Hollywood beats. It doesn't have that first act beat and that sudden turning point and that thing and that high point and that denouement. All those things that they teach you in screenwriting seminars, you know, you got to do this and this and this and this. Doesn't do that. Yep, it, it it throws them all out. It works the story the way the story is to be worked, and you know, it, it's watching that movie get rewarded if it does in fact yeah. get rewarded uh, with things other than nominations will be good um, um, because it means that other filmmakers will get a chance to go out and do some things that are a little bit off the beaten path and not exactly. Birdman would be the one from last year. Same sort of thing. Yeah. You know, whatever you think about the film, it didn't shape itself in the ordinary way. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Sid Field. Not no. care for that. A third coming of Michael Keaton. He's, <laughs> he's on top again. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He doesn't, doesn't have to put on tights. 
Well, I'm going to blow through. Uh, we've had we have an ungodly amount of anime that has poured in, and uh, so I'm going to I'm going to just plow through this as best as I can. Uh, I, I, I've taken a gander at some of it. Uh, we have a few uh, Christmas things that have been late arriving. Want to give you a mention of those as well. Uh, the first thing I got here. This is a great gift. This is a great Christmas gift too. This is uh, a Funimation release, Black Lagoon, the complete series, four discs, 29 episodes, two seasons plus OVA those of you who are really, really into the whole anime thing. Uh, and it comes in this kind of... Uh, Wicked-looking box. In a wicked-looking box. It looks like a little military-grade uh, case that's been kind of beaten all the crap. Um, this, is, this is a really, really good show. And uh, a lot of... There are a lot of... This has a really huge fan following, and uh, it, is a, it is a great action-oriented uh, anime show. Uh, really a fun thing. I'd be surprised if they don't at some point turn this into something live action. Actually, uh, it is uh, you know it's it's got a it's got a real vibe to it. So, um, Black Lagoon, the complete series, uh, in a great box set that you, if you're an anime fan, definitely going to want to check that out. We've also got from Funimation another One Piece. This thing just never ends. This whole uh, kind of pirate fantasy thing. Uh, it, it, this is One Piece Collection number fourteen. Comes with uh, some decent extras and some commentaries. Uh, that that would also be a good gift. And uh, the other one from Funimation that just keeps on trucking is a Fairy Tale T A I L. A uh, little wicked uh, pun there. This is Collection 5 with episodes 97 to 120, just so that you know uh, how far and deep this show goes. This show also has a really, really huge following. Uh, I stopped really trying to keep up with this uh, this saga several collections ago. It's just too hard. Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. Um, you know, it's uh, one, of those, one of those popular shows that anime people will just lock themselves in a basement and watch until the end of time. Uh, from Sente Filmworks through the uh, Section 13 people is uh, Dramatical Murder, the complete collection. This is 12 episodes uh, plus OVA on two discs. Uh, uh, you know, looks, uh, looks interesting enough. Uh, not something that I've, I've had time to really give a look at. Uh, a couple more from Funimation here that I had never heard of before they arrived. And uh, both of them have kind of the same, uh, same style of artwork. Um, Blu-ray and DVD combo uh, packs, both of them. One is uh, Dangan Ronpa, the animated series, episodes one through thirteen. The uh, last episode of which was apparently never aired. And then uh, Dragonar Academy, uh, which you know, there's. I have to say one thing about uh, anime: when they want to make young women and young girls look cute, mm. those artists are just beyond. They're 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 beyond belief. Yeah, big eyes. And... They, they 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 somehow make them. They make they create people who look cuter than anyone's imagination could possibly come up with. Um, anyway, the the lead character in this thing named uh, Ash Blake, uh, it, who, who's a guy by the way. So not, I'm not talking. Ash is not the not the woman, but um, he goes to this place called Anne Sullivan Dragonar Academy. And uh, this is where you learn to kind of be a, like a dragon rider, and you know it's a little bit like uh, what was the what was the uh, DreamWorks film, the uh, uh, How to Tame the, Your Dragon? The, yeah, How to Tame Your Dragon, How to Tame this, Your Dragon too. This is like an anime approach to that, but my goodness, the uh, the the kind of uh, dragon girls here are just phenomenal. They're just phenomenal. It's like the greatest uh, artwork I've ever seen. Uh, enough of that. Let's uh, let me go through the rest of this real quickly. We've also got um, from Funimation. 
Body uh, Buddy Complex, the complete series, Blu-ray and DVD combo set. Uh, this is a little bit in the uh, Transformers vein, if you're into the whole robot thing. Uh, Sente Filmworks, we got a few here. The uh, Sente Selects line, this is Battle Doll. Uh, Angelic Lair, the complete collection, that's on DVD only. And then we also have Invaders of the Rokujioma, complete collection, 12 uh, episodes. This is uh, on the kind of uh, kitschy, teasy, um, uh, gosh, comedy end of things. Not, and and uh, similar to that is the uh, second season of Hayate, the Combat Butler, 25 episodes. Uh, Samurai Jam, Bakamatsu Rock, really, really great artwork. Complete collection here also from Sente Filmworks. Um, it's a little bit cheesy, the, the whole kind of, uh, you know, rock and roll scene thing in anime. Uh, it's a, it's a, feels a little bit juvenile, a little bit pandering, but uh, it's really, really good artwork. If you love the old Gotcha Man, did you ever watch Gotcha Man? This has been around for decades. I don't remember that. Gotcha Man, when I was a kid, was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was like with Battle of the Planets. Yeah, it was more of an eighth man, Tobar the Eighth Man. Yeah, no, this was like, this is, Gotcha Man goes all the way back, like almost to to, uh, uh, Speed Racer times. Anyway, they've resurrected Gotcha Man again because now it's a superhero age. And Gotcha Man, the movie, is really good. It's really, really good. Um, I, I'm, I'm just kind of stunned that this is still a thing and that they're able to co- sort of reinvent it. Anyway, uh, it's, you know, giant monsters and, and superheroes and space going. It, it's like, it's better than Marvel. I'll tell you that. Uh, Blue Sky, La Cordadoro, complete collection. Um, uh, really, really good animation here. This is uh, a whole, you know, uh, basically takes place with a, mu- with a, a, um, a musical prodigy and uh, it's it, it, it's more dramatic, uh, you know. It's the world of it's it's you know coming of age, and it's uh, it, it's it's kind of more of a more of an adult animation thing. Uh, Umi Monogatari is uh, just pure raw, cute girl titillation for dirty old Japanese men, and you know more power to them. <laughs> Uh, Mobile Soup Gundam Collection One. Y- you got to know what that is. That's uh, you know that that's Iron Man meets uh, giant robot. I love those big mech warrior suits. They're they're, 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 they're just they're, great. They're uh, more relentless titillation in uh, Tamayura Hitotose. Little schoolgirls in outfits. Dirty old Japanese men. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's you know that's the audience for this stuff. They keep it going. Uh, Black Bullet Complete Collection. Really, really incredibly violent, but uh, but kind of in a cool way. Here's a bunch I didn't have a chance to even remotely take a look at, but they look great. Uh, Blade and Soul, the complete collection. Woman in a Bustier. More of that great Japanese animation. I wonder what these guys... It just... I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know. These artists, they sit there with pen and ink and they make magic. Uh, Space Brothers, Collection magic, 5. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it magic. We'll call it magic. Space Brothers, Collection 5. This is uh, an ongoing, really, really popular series from Sente. Uh, he is my master, the complete collection. Little girls, big eyes in maid outfits. Yeah, and with the French maid outfits. French maid outfits with garter belts. I don't need to tell you the plot because the people who watch this don't care. Uh, Hitamari Sketch. Uh, little girls in little red schoolgirl dresses with big eyes. <laughs> I don't need to tell you the plot. 
Uh, Blue Spring Ride uh, is uh, a 12-episode complete collection. This actually has some uh, very interesting artwork, and uh, I'm probably going to try to throw this on in the next couple of days or so. Uh, it all takes place in middle school. It's one of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, schoolgirl, schoolboy uh, coming-of-age things that they also do. But it doesn't look quite – it doesn't look like titillation to me. Uh, glass Lip, Girls in Uniforms. I'm telling you, Tim, there's a, there's a theme here. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's uh, Oh, there's another Space Brothers. Sorry, Collection 6 uh, Space Brothers is out also. Um, and uh, the last few here, real quickly. Uh, Sentek Selects has released Lunar Legend uh, Tsukihimi, um, which I have been told by anime people is uh, is also really, really good and really worth checking out. It deals with um, kind of uh, psychic kids, and um, you know, sort of sort of like an X Men mutant uh, more teenage kind of fear. Pretty sophisticated animation there, actually. That's yeah. not the titillating kind of stuff. That's I, sort of sophisticated Akira kind I've, of stuff. I've been told it's 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 quite good. And then uh, Please Twins is also out. This has a, a following. This is apparently very very funny, and uh, I need to I need to catch up on, uh, on that like, as well. Kind of like a, an anime Archie uh, yeah. like Jugheads yeah. and Veronica and Betty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another uh, Gundam. This is uh, Gundam uh, called Turn a Gundam. Uh, more of the, the big robot suit and, uh, and a lot of destruction. And then the last two, uh, for those who are fans of Dragon Ball, this also never goes away. Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F, which is, uh, again, uh, I have spoken to some anime people. And they have said this is uh, this is really the the real deal. This is this is one of the, some of the best Dragon Ball they've seen in a long time. That is a Blu-ray DVD combo set. And then uh, this one looks unbelievably cool. That's why I saved this till last. This is a Sente Filmworks title, Ara Koga Maryun's Last War. And uh, this appears to be a really, really, really cool uh, fantasy epic. And uh, it's it, it seems to follow kind of a Kind of a Lord of the Ringsy uh, narrative, but it uh, it certainly seems to be really really cool. So that is on Blu-ray from Sente Filmworks through Section Thirteen. Uh, Aura A U R A Kogu Maryun's Last War. Really really looking forward to that. So, Tim, we've, we're done with the anime. What do we have uh, as far as new films and classic films that have rolled in? Well, I got a little little stack of both of those over okay. here, some of which are a lot of fun, so far as I'm concerned, anyway. Um, one of which is <laughs> FX2. You remember FX 1986? Yeah, Brian Brown. Brian Brown, fantastic film. Sure. So, sort of set in the movie industry, which was a neat thing at the time, because it kind of took us... I was, I was, it was before I came to L.A., before I was a professional film critic. I that have, was a lot of fun for me. I've always thought that those were the films that directly inspired MacGyver. You know what? I think you, I think you, you might be right. Uh, Aussie it, films; those were Australian yeah, films, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's a question that um, I always meant to ask. Vin DeBona, who who was a producer on MacGyver, was a professor of mine in school, and I remember that was a question I always wanted to ask him. I always want to ask him: Did did it was it was FX and MacGyver? Did they did they ever? Is there a thing going on there? Because Vin became famous and very rich. Um, by stealing things, quite frankly. He, went to, he, he did, he did, seriously. And he would tell you that. He's the first person to tell you. He would go to Japan, he'd see some wacky game show, and then he'd come back here and he'd, he'd basically, he just sort of got the rights to it from Japan and he'd do an American version. And all of those like animal crack-ups, you remember yeah. those Saturday yeah, morning yeah, game yeah. shows? He did all that stuff, and they're all based on really, really scary Japanese game shows. Because, you know, in Japan, game shows 
aren't—they're not—they're not like uh, I'll take three hundred. I'll—I'll take you know uh, uh, Cuban not, military not, budget not for quiz th- shows. No, they're not quiz shows. It's like if we take this uh, caterpillar and if we you know squirt arsenic on it, will you snort it in your nostril yeah. for three hundred and fifty dollars? And somebody will actually do that, and yeah. it's really disturbing. It's—it's—it's it's, it's terrifying actually. So yeah, so we brought this. You know, F, F, FX two nineteen ninety one film. Brian Dennehy again. Uh, Brian Dennehy and Brian Brown, I guess yeah, I should yeah. say. A neat film. What I like knowing most about this film, it's directed by a guy named uh, Richard Franklin. Richard Franklin directed the Psycho sequel, Psycho 2. That's right. Two, That's right. Uh, uh, which was like 20 years after the original film, but was meant to be a direct sequel from the Hitchcock yeah. film. What possessed this guy uh, to think that he could follow up <laughs> Hitchcock? You know, he's, he's, he's a fun guy. It's a neat film. Anyway, FX2, Blu-ray. Uh, it has a making up featurette on it, a couple of trailers and stuff like that. And you know, I don't, I don't actually remember seeing this movie at that time. But at that time, but if it's as good as the original FX, it would be actually be quite, a lot, of, quite a lot of fun. Um, I've got the a, a new release, the Stanford Prison Experiment. This was a this was a neat film that came out just last year. Uh, it was based on the actual Stanford Prison Experiment from 1971. Uh, took place up in Stanford. A professor set up a, 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 a team of 24 students. Half of them were designated prisoners. The other half were designated guards, and they were given the authority that they were given, and things got out of hand. This it's actually a, happened. It's like that uh, German experiment that they did in the film Das Experiment. Yeah, which Same. I believe was a, a darker sort of situation. Much darker situation. But, uh, yeah, the, these... these I don't. It, I always wonder why, when they do these experiments, if they go wrong somewhere in the world, why does somebody in some other part of the world think that if they replicate it, it will somehow turn out differently? There's always a brighter professor somewhere. <laughs> uh, this one has a commentary track on it with the director Kyle Patrick Alvarez, a featurette. Uh, it was a neat movie. Didn't get get a lot of purchase at the time, but I saw it and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, tense in, in in a certain kind of way. A fun movie for me. Remo Williams, The Adventures Begin. Ah, uh, dude! I got to tell you, uh, I loved this movie when it came out. It was a lot of fun. Joel Gray mm-hmm. uh, in, in 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 the film with Fred Ward and Wilfred Brimley. Joel mm-hmm. Gray in that makeup. In that makeup, the neatest thing in that you know, which I don't think you can get it. That's almost as bad as Mickey Rooney and yeah. and Breakfast at, at, at Tiffany's nowadays. Although there's a joke in there someplace yeah. that I'm not sure what's going. Yeah. Um, neatest thing about this film, uh, directed by Guy Hamilton. Yeah, uh, who directed a number of the James uh, Bond uh, films. Of, the, of, of the Bond films uh, at the time? Neat movie. Uh, this doesn't have a whole lot on it. It's a 1985 film. A lot of lot of fun. Remo Williams, Fred Ward still walking around a bit. A newer release, uh, Kurt Russell film. Oh, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Patrick uh, Patrick Wilson. Matthew but between Fox, between this and The Hateful Eight, uh, he's doing a western thing now, isn't he? He's like getting into Tombstone mode over and over and over. You know, he's got the look for it now, of course. Yeah. Uh, he's got the, you know, the beard and all that kind of thing. This was pretty neat. Again, didn't get a lot of purchase when it first came out, uh, but it's a violent film. Yeah. Uh, you got to be ready to sort of watch this kind of thing. Uh, kind of cool, so check it out if you want to, if you get a chance. A little film that I saw when it actually came out this year was, um, was Desert Dancer, mm-hmm. uh, a Frito Pinto, a Frito yeah. Pinto film. It was a lovely film, a uh, moving film set during... Uh, you know, around the time of the Iranian uh, the Iranian Revolution, yeah. uh, it's about a man who wants to dance. Of course, you can't dance or do any of the sort of Western things in in, in, in Iran right now, and yeah. uh, and and what it, what he goes through with his family and a young woman that he meets and stuff like that. A, a lovely sort of moving film that I liked a lot. Um, uh, there's a conversation on here with uh, Asif Gafarian, 
who I believe was the young man who played the lead in the film. So it's called Desert Dancer, Frida Pinto film. Uh, a completely different, a completely different movie. <laughs> Joe Ross, Knock Knock. Oh, Knock Knock. I actually went to the premiere with of this Keanu. movie with, with Keanu. Keanu Reeves. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I think uh, Joe, uh, uh, um, Eli, Eli said Joe, Eli yeah. Roth. Yeah. I think Eli Roth's wife is one of the young lady leads in this. And, oh, boy. You know, this was a movie that I actually went to the premiere of. Uh, Eli was there. Uh, Keanu was there. We had a nice chat. Uh, Keanu is a good friend. He's a very good friend. So when his boy when his boy calls him and says, you know, yeah. I need you to, mm-hmm. to star in this horrible movie yeah. that I'm going to make because my wife wants to. Well, he's you know what he's making another John Wick movie, so he's yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's going to be set. He's, he's fantastic fine. in the Wick movies. Yeah. If you like how look, if you like this kind of stuff, and some people do, uh, this is one of those movies. Yeah. It, it actually is an incredibly uncomfortable movie. Audio commentary by Eli Roth, uh, his wife, and the uh, and the rest of the folks in the film. I noticed that that um, uh, uh, Keanu is not in the Audio commentary. Yeah. Uh, so that's what that is. Uh, we have a film. We have a film called No Escape. This was a controversial film. Oh my gosh, this thing. A while ago, you'll remember Owen, uh, Owen Wilson, Lake Bell, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, you you know, know, this 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 film had. You, you're right. The controversy on this was really interesting because everybody kind of jumped on this as being this. Um, some kind of neo-colonial racist movie about a white guy who. Uh, has to sort of save his family in just some godforsaken, unstable Asian nation. And the funny thing is, I, that didn't even occur to me when watching it. Mm. I mean, the idea here is... The film's too bad to get that deeply. It's, <laughs> it, this, this film, I'll tell you exactly, I, the, the, the whole the history of this film is really fascinating. And, I, and you can kind of fill in the blanks and figure it out. The, the guys who made this film, they had like one other film under their belt. And this is basically a movie that they made because they were able to... Piece, I, I'm telling you, this is my, my guess. They were able to piece the money together and piece the talent together. And, and basically make it as kind of a resume piece. Say, mm-hmm. look, look at what we can make a real tense action movie and, you know, uh, get the adrenaline pumping. And I don't think they ever anticipated good reviews or all, at all. This is something he can take to us to, to Warner Brothers and say, hey, why don't you let me direct a... I back- got through a budget. I didn't burn the money. Every, there you go. Everybody I know, got I, paid. I know, how to, I know how, to keep a, how, how to put a movie together and maintain tension. Let me do a Superman movie or go to Disney and say, let me do a Marvel movie, whatever. You know, put me on the list at least. And that's what this is about. Uh, Owen Wilson and Lake Bell, parents bring it, you know, he, he's going to basically Malaysia. A lot of people didn't realize it was Malaysia because they don't make a, they don't really emphasize it. But he's going to Malaysia because he's working for a company that purifies the water, yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, suddenly the whole company is, the whole country is erupting in a coup and a, a, a civilization is breaking down and people want to kill everybody who works for the water company. And he's got to take his family on the run, and they've got to somehow, you know, get out of Dodge without being shot by all the restless natives. Yeah. And of course, you know, Pierce Brosnan shows up as a you know, kind of James Bondsy kind of guy. He's kind of he's a he's a guy they meet on the plane, and he shows up later. And yeah, I'm with you know some kind of intelligence. Meanwhile, bang bang, he knows how to kill people. It, the whole thing is completely preposterous. There's a helicopter crash on a roof that is just, it's not to be believed how silly it is. But this is what I looked at. I thought, this is kind of like, they want—they they just want to do a, a, a low-rent year living dangerously. That's yeah. all this is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, the, 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 the thing that our colleague Bob Strauss, who writes for the LA Daily News, I, I, I've had an ongoing thing with Bob Strauss. Bob, Bob hates the fact that at the end of the movie, they are going uh, essentially from Malaysia, trying to make it to the Vietnamese border. Now, if you if you know anything, oh my goodness. if you know anything about geography, you know that Malaysia and Vietnam do do, do not share a border. <laughs> but 
but they do share maritime rights. Yeah. Uh, so I I keep I keep kind of ribbing Bob about the. The, the the maritime rights kind of counts as a border, but it it doesn't really. It uh, it's it's a silly movie. Yeah, and what are you going to do? Feature commentary uh, on there, and you know the deleted scenes, behind the scenes gallery. That it's an interesting failure, but it's not a no it's escape. A, it's an, what's interesting about it to me is Pierce Brosnan trying to find his way. What I the the one thing I was going to mention I forgot to mention here is um, the 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 movie. Um, uh, actually, I take it back. It, 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 well, what I, was, what I was saying earlier, it, it takes place in Malaysia, but it was shot in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And this is what I find is interesting, because Thailand is a very bristling film industry. And I would be willing to bet that one of the ways that they got this funded was by getting all kinds of freebies out of the Thai government by saying, we'd like to shoot a movie here, and it badmouths Malaysia. Because Thailand and Malaysia are neighbors, and they don't like each other in any way whatsoever. Thailand, a predominantly you know Buddhist society, Malaysia, predominantly Muslim society, all kinds of conflicts on that on that little uh, that little peninsula that they share together. So uh, they they are not fond of each other, and I'm and I'm sure that uh, as soon as they heard somebody wanted to just really really stick it to Malaysia and make them look bad, they're like, hey, come on, <laughs> come on over. What, what what can we give you? What can we provide? Yeah, we'll let you make a movie about it. Happy to. Yeah. Uh, one, a Blu-ray here that I'm really uh, anxious uh, to see, actually. I haven't seen this one yet. Criterion Collection, Downhill Racer. Downhill Racer. Michael Ritchie, of course. Such an interesting choice for a Criterion title, isn't it? Isn't it, though? Yeah. Although it's a very avant-garde film. Even, yeah. even in its time, it's an avant-garde film. Thread-thin narrative. You know, this was a this was a really interesting era because uh, we we both recently saw the uh, the Steve McQueen documentary exactly the, the, uh, man, Mans, the man in Le Mans, yeah. and that too really a threadbare narrative, almost documentary like in the realism that it depicts the race. And you of course have Grand Prix with uh, with James Garner. Um, this was an era. This is a little bit more of a movie movie, but but yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this was an era where there were a lot of these. You know, this is basically like Grand Prix or Le Mans on skis. Yeah, with yeah. Robert Redford. You know, it's, it's a lot of natural sound, uh, yeah. not a lot of score. Uh, so a wonderful film. Can't wait to see this. Yeah. It's, this is a restored high definition digital transfer. Um, uh, it has interviews from from uh, from two thousand nine with Redford and the and the screenwriter. Uh, all kinds of stuff on this Blu-ray special, special edition from Criterion Collection, actually. You really, really should check this one out. Um, uh, I can't wait to crack it open. You know, uh, this one I find kind of interesting. War Room is another one of those uh, faith-based Christian films that, that just keep making money, despite the fact that critics rip them to pieces. These are the uh, the Kendrick brothers, uh, who uh, Stephen and Alex, who down in uh, Georgia, they make all their movies down there. And they, these are the guys that did Fireproof and Courageous, and uh, they just keep figuring out how to make these movies inexpensively but with uh, enough production value that they, they don't need to market them at all. The audience just cr- comes all over these well, movies. Well, the audience. In, in, the audience. The, the, it has a, a very specific audience, and they make it out to see those movies. And the marketing plan, of course, you know, is, is a sort of internecine thing of where everybody talks about these movies amongst themselves. Yeah. So the audience for this movie, yeah. and, and of course they do really well on Blu-ray but uh, I, and the, DVD what, release. What's so interesting about this is that all those previous movies were very specifically very, very white Christian movies from mm-hmm. white Christian audience. This is an African-American the, family. And, and, uh, and the white evangelicals came out in droves yeah. along with the black evangelicals. Because the, the, the thing that they have in common it's is amazing. The, the tagline on, on that movie is prayer is a powerful weapon. 
Yeah. That will bring them to the movies. It's amazing. Uh, it tells you something else about the complications of race in our country, dude. Yeah. It is so complicated. Yeah. It's just not the simple sort of 1960s no. race narrative of, of my youth. Yeah. You know, when I was born, I was born in 1961. Uh, and, and, and the narrative around race was, you know, the pretty simple narrative. It, it's not that anymore. It's no. much more com- Those same evangelicals, if they don't vote for Donald Trump, are going to be voting for Ben Carson. <laughs> it's kind of... It is a it is a it is a strange new world. Anyway, that's War Room. So uh, those, those anything on that thing? Do they do they ever? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a commentary with the uh, with the Kendrick brothers, and then a whole bunch of featurettes uh, on the making of it, and uh, you know, uh, basically just all all EPK stuff, uh, and then a few things on the uh, Blu-ray specifically, like some bloopers and outtakes, and. Uh, on a little thing on color grading, which I thought was, you know, rather rudimentary. It's sort of like, for you and me, it's like color grading? Really? You want to, <laughs> is that an interesting featurette? Is somebody going to be sitting at home watching the movie go, I wonder how the color was graded? Yeah. I think I want to, not the really, Vinci, but. These are the Vinci? Yeah. How do they do there? Uh, Rookie in the Flash, that Meryl Streep film that came out oh, a little dude. bit earlier this year. You know, dude, I had all kinds of issues with this movie, mm-hmm. other than the fact that it's really not all that great of a movie in and of itself. But yeah. what really bugged me about this movie is the horrible cheating yeah. they do. They just cheat the numbers in this movie, right? <laughs> uh, and and, and I, don't, I don't care for that. Why cheat the numbers? Because it tells me, maybe that's a Hollywood thing. Yeah. But, but, but Meryl Streep is playing you know, an aging rocker who was supposed to have been a rocker in the 90s. Oh, no, 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 maybe. no you no. wouldn't have been rocking in the 90s. You'd have been rocking in the 80s, okay? Maybe the late 70s you're rocking, okay? If you're, if you're, you're a young rocker. So they cheat this by like 25, 30 years in order to make the movie that they want to make. And I just don't get this. Why couldn't she have been from the era of Grace Slick? Yeah. She's still, you know what I'm saying? It, it's a, yeah. it, or, yeah, I don't know, it's a buggy kind of thing. Anyway, uh, this is the DVD deleted scenes. Uh, Rick Springfield, uh, rediscovering Rick Springfield. Love Rick. Uh, so that's a good. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, you know Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are uh, are quite a great team. Uh, they uh, they are finding a way of making a very kind. I think they complement each other in a really interesting way. She makes him a better filmmaker, mm-hmm. less maudlin. Yes, she for- makes yeah, she, she forces him to yeah. be. Less sort of neurotic and self-absorbed and, and navel gazing, you know. Yeah. He he can see. Yeah, uh, he makes her a better actress. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is you know, uh, which is an interesting thing too, isn't it? Anyway, I uh, I found Mistress America to be uh, really quite charming. Actually, this uh, continues a very very fine working relationship, and uh, the idea here, she's not even sort of the central figure here. She's uh, the the film centers on. A different female figure named Tracy, uh, played by Lola Kirk, who is kind of having a little bit of a life crisis as a freshman in college and, uh, you know, family issues and her dad's getting remarried. And there's this uh, stepsister. Potential stepsister. Potential stepsister, right, uh, who is played by Greta Gerwig, who is the daughter of her dad's fiance. She's never met the girl but in the kind of a weird, spontaneous, impulsive moment when she feels she needs somebody, she reaches out to her, and they meet each other and become fast friends. But, of course, Greta Gerwig is wild and quirky and, and unpredictable and spontaneous and just does what she wants when she wants. And she's this nutty, wacky, free spirit that she is kind of her persona in movies. Um, yeah, she's kind of like a like a, um, oh gosh, I'm I, I, uh, the, the film becomes a bit of a comedy of eras. Yeah. And she's they're running around that mansion and funny yeah. and uh, 
kind of a backstage kind of thing. It's funny. It is. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it's funny and poignant at the same time. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was. Uh, I've been smacking. I've been smacking Noah Bombard. Around I have too. For Twenty years. It's for his navel gazing crap. Oh. You know, it's squid See, and Mark, the whale and messing Mark with his pants. Mark loves a squid and the whale because he says it's sort of how he grew up, which I, I just I feel like. Well, then I hate how you grew up. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just I can't I can't get down with that. It's but anyway, but no, it's true. They they're they're good for each other. So really quickly, uh, make a quick mention of Grace of Monaco, the very very unfortunate uh, Olivier Don film. This is only out on DVD, no Blu-ray. It never made it to theaters. It wound up on television. It got an Emmy Award, I think, as kind of a consolation prize. It did not get a theatrical release because the Weinstein Company had a bitter fight with Olivier Don over the final cut. Uh, and what they wanted it to be. It opened the Cannes Film Festival and went precipitously downhill. Olivia Don, big, great filmmaker. He made La Vie en Rose, the Edith Piaf biopic that was my favorite film of that year that uh, won an Academy Award for Best Actress. Cotillard. Uh, for yeah. for uh, Marion Cotillard. Um, in this case, uh, we have a really, there, there was something really in the water. Nicole Kidman and Naomi Watts, best friends in real mm-hmm. life. Naomi Watts starred as Princess Diana in a stinky movie. And uh, then Nicole Kidman starred as Grace Kelly, becoming Princess of Monaco in another Stinky Princess movie. Uh, I don't know what kinds of horrible fates uh, just frowned on them, but this is unfortunately not a good movie. And it's not really Olivier Don's fault. I mean, it's just not a good idea. It's not a good script. It's just, it, I guess it was better in the pitch than it wound up being on the, on the page. But hopefully it doesn't derail his career. I know it's going to make him very bitter about making English-language films. I hope What's it ironic doesn't. is it's bad casting. It's, it is bad casting. You wouldn't think so, would you? Yeah. Nicole Kidman as... But the thing about, about yeah. Grace of Monaco, about Princess Grace, Grace Kelly, is Grace Kelly was not cool. No. She was not cold. Uh, you, you know, she was... Incredibly she was, warm. She was incredibly warm and alluring, which is why she's fantastic uh, in Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart. And, yeah. And we... And we, and we, and we Nicole, a little bit different in that sort of presentation, despite the fact that I can see why he cast her. You know, yeah. you can you can put her in those gowns and that tiara, and then you think to yourself, "Oh, sure, Grace Kelly." No, not Grace Kelly at all. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, you mind if I pop over to In Cold Blood here? Let's do it. Jump into it. We were talking about it earlier, yeah. uh, as we were having conversations about several uncomfortable things to do with Bill Cosby. And, and other people oh, yeah. who've done things that um, and, the, and that have sort of derailed <laughs> our, uh, our our esteem of them, and uh, you know, and yet they have this work in the world uh, that yeah. is important work sometimes, uh, you know, just useful work other times. Here we have Truman Capote, uh, Richard Brooks, and of course uh, Mr. Beretta yeah. <laughs> is who I'm talking about here. He is just fantastic in this movie, um, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, and this is the Criterion Collection. Uh, Blu-ray special edition, 4K restoration. Um, it's a, it's a it's a extraordinary film based on uh, Mr. Capote's fantastic book, uh, directed beautifully by Richard Brooks here. And you know, uh, depending on how you feel about things, the irony, you know, some yeah. of the ironies uh, that, that that are that are involved here. Uh, you know, I, I don't suppose. I suppose we've moved far enough away in history that this one doesn't bother us. I think a lot of people are going to be really upset because the only way that I think a lot of people have in cold blood right now on Blu-ray is on that combo set with Troop with a uh, uh, Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman's oh, yeah. Oscar-winning role, yeah. and, I, and and I think a lot of people are going to feel like, well, I, I can't really upgrade now. I'm going to have two copies of this movie. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. That's, what you, that's what happens when you have double features. Well, a lot of interesting stuff on this 1966 uh, documentary uh, featuring Truman Capote with this. Uh, um, uh, 
as well as some other interviews with Barbara Walters and others. So a lot of really great stuff by this. Yeah. 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 Some interesting uh, classic films I should uh, give a quick mention to from uh, Kino. We've got uh, The Devil's Disciple, which is from the uh, 20th Century Fox MGM Library. This is uh, Kirk Douglas and uh, Burt Lancaster and Lawrence Olivier in a, uh, an, a very unusual trio um, based on a George Bernard Shaw um, satire about the American Revolution. Um, obviously, Olivier playing the uh, the evil red coat guy, and you know uh, Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster being all manly and all American. Um, if you know anything about uh, Shaw's writing, it can be very, very cutting. And uh, this is not My Fair Lady by any stretch of the imagination. This is not Pygmalion. This is not that that it's not that part of George Bernard Shaw. It's a it's a little bit more bitter. And, uh, and angry. Anyway, um, it's uh, once you get into the vibe of this thing, and this also, by the way, directed by Guy Hamilton. Oh, of, there you go. Mr. Yeah. yeah, the Bond film. Yeah. Second film this week of, of his. Uh, once you get into, once you kind of catch the vibe, uh, I guess you you will sort of appreciate it. But it is it is very. Uh, it's very for a 1959 film. It's it's got a lot of uh, vinegar in it. I have to say. Uh, Chuck Norris in Delta Force 2, um, otherwise known as the original version of Argo. Yeah. The Oscar-winning Argo. <laughs> Directed by his brother Aaron. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I joke, of course, because the, the end of Argo is like a Delta Force movie. They're going they're running yeah, down the yeah, runway. Yeah, all those VM Golan films were like silly. the end of Argo. But Aaron Norris, of course, Chuck Norris's brother, was a, uh, a choreographer on many of his early films, like Good Guys Were Black and Force of One, and uh, eventually was elevated to director so that Chuck wouldn't have to fight with a director and he could just sort of tell his brother what he wanted him to do. Billy Drago and Richard Jekyll show up in this because they are in all B-movies from the uh, 1990s, and uh, I guess it's a requirement. Also from Kino, uh, rather unceremoniously released through the, uh, the Studio Classics line, is Salam Bombay, which is the film that put Mira Nair on the map. Yeah. And I still think it's probably her best film yeah. in many respects. You know, really an amazing movie. It was Oscar nominated at the time. Uh, just an extraordinary, uh, it, it won the, ca- the uh, Camera Door for Best First Film at the 1988 film, Cannes Film Festival. Got an Oscar nomination uh, the following year, and uh, just a look at the the you know the, the the agonies of street kids in the streets of Bombay. Still an amazing movie. Has a wonderful uh, audio commentary with Mira, and another audio commentary with the uh, cinematographer Sandy Sissel, and uh, a bunch of the original documentaries behind the scenes. It really a, a great release. This thing should not be overlooked. It's really just a beautiful Blu-ray. And you know I've interviewed Mira Nair a, a few times and. Uh, fascinating lady. I wish she'd go back to making those kinds of movies. She keeps making Hollywood movies, which for the payday, we've yeah, t- you and I yeah, were we talking about, about this before the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, Nobody can make money uh, like Hal Hartley's kickstarting movies now. You can't make money doing that. So they take the paydays, but boy, I wish she'd do something like that again. She's, it, it, it hurts the art. She is such a talented lady, and she's so... It's funny, when you meet her, the, the wonderful thing about Mira Nair, she's so gracious... And you think you're meeting just some really wonderful, very gracious, conservative Indian woman because she wears very, you know, traditional Indian clothing and the whole thing. And then she just starts talking like a truck driver. And it is, <laughs> it is, it is, it is so funny and so entertaining and so amusing. And it is just to hear her sort of lace all of her. But, but she still speaks in a very gentle and elegant and patrician way. And then she'll just sort of drop an F-bomb on you. And it, it, and it, it jars you, but it's very sweet and very funny. But she's, uh, she's so lovely and so talented and uh, lives in Uganda. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, she's lived in Uganda for ever since she made Salam Bombay. Huh? 
That's uh, that's her home. She's been. Well, she, yeah. I mean, lots of expatriates. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the you know there was a very large Indian community in Uganda until Idi Amin until persecuted Idi, them. Yeah, yeah. But they still remained. Good movies about that. They still remained. Yeah, and she uh, she returned and and was you know has become a part of that uh, that sort of expatriate uh, Indian community in Uganda. Yeah, the diaspora exactly. And then Ghost Story, which uh, is 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 actually quite a lot of fun. Uh, dates a little bit. 1981, of course. You know. John the, Irving. The the combat the combined yeah John Irvin who by the way Vietnam vet you know that oh John sure Irvin from yeah. Hamburger Hill was Hamburger Hill, yeah. essentially his story yeah that whole that grind of that, that actual that yeah. actual grind it, it's uh, interesting combination of films John Irvin is all I'm you know, I mean ghost story there with you know well Chris this Stair. is this is a combination of Stephen King and Peter Straub you know two horror masters and their their sensibilities and with a cast of great old actors. Uh, as they're aging, Fred Astaire, Melvin Douglas, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., John Hausman, uh, and then you throw in Patricia Neal and a very young Alice Krieg. And uh, it's actually a pretty decent film. I think it, it dates uh, shockingly well. Uh, really good score by Philippe Sard. So that's also on Blu-ray, courtesy of Scream Factory, uh, the line from Shout Factory. Uh, what do I got over here? I got a Sergeant Kabuki, man. I got to tell you, when I first got to, uh, to L.A., mm-hmm. and I was looking for work, Doing pretty much anything, uh, and I, I, I would run, I ran into Lloyd Kaufman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and and, 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 and Lloyd, everyone runs into Lloyd, into Lloyd Kaufman. Kaufman. And Lloyd would give me all kinds of wacky things to do, including to write articles yeah. for Lloyd and taglines for yeah. his movies and all kinds of nutty, uh, nutty things. And and you know, I, and I had never been a particular fan of any of those trauma films that he had been putting out for years. You know, that they were just not my particular taste and genre. But they became very very popular. I do not know that there is an equivalent. Of the sort of Lloyd Kaufman, Michael Hertz, you know, mm-hmm. school of filmmaking, which is different than what it's very different than what um, uh, the progenitor of every filmmaker that ever that ever uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, whose name escapes me at the moment. You know, it's very different than what he than what he was doing actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, little shop of horrors and all that kind of stuff. Corman, Corman, the Corman brothers, the Corman brothers, the Corman brothers. Roger and his his brother was always left out, but yeah, yeah but yeah, he, yeah, they, were, they were brothers. That was a gene, gene. yeah, gene. Uh, right. And so what Lloyd was doing came a little bit later, but was actually quite different than what they were doing at the time. Anyway, this is Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Um, uh, very popular these movies for a very long time. They put all kinds of stuff uh, on these. So mm-hmm. you got you got you have an intro and exclusive interviews and audio commentaries. Uh, and the original trailer and more stuff than you can possibly think of. So if you're a cultist from this period of, film, of filmmaking, have fun with Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Very nice. Uh, I got a, a relatively recent movies. I did not see this when it came out. Cooties. Uh, a lot of folks in this movie. You got Elijah Wood, Rain Wilson. Uh, uh, it's starring in the film. I'm not exactly sure what it's about. It looks funny. <laughs> I know what cooties are, and, yeah. and I, but I wonder if they're thinking the same thing I'm thinking when they say cooties. I, uh, you know what, uh, we're we're we're, all, we're kind of we're sort of grasping at straws here, but I actually heard that was okay and pretty funny. Yeah, we'll check it out. Yeah. And this then is, I got this. Uh, this is what you get the week after we, we <laughs> vote, folks. We 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 we're kind of treading water. I cannot an- honestly say that I will ever open that. Yeah. Uh, and then I got this ten movie collection, action pack collection. This is, this looks like a lot of fun. I yeah. am going to open this pack. Package ten movies starring folks like Gary Cooper, Anthony Quinn, John Wayne, Kurt Douglas, this Jimmy Cagney, the, Steve McQueen. This is one of those Mill Creek, one, uh, oh yeah, multi, uh, multi film like, sets. Frank Sinatra, Charles Bronson, Rock Hudson, and James Brolin in the ten films that occupy this single disc. <laughs> <laughs> so that is fantastic. 
brought on during a Christmas party. And uh, with that, segueing to a few lingering Christmas titles, for those of you that still want to go out and grab something, there's actually, a, uh, a new, as there is every year, a new Steelbook release of uh, Chevy Chase and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Forget about the new reboot of Christmas vac- of, uh, Vacation that came out earlier with Ed Helms, which is absolutely horrible. Uh, the, the, stick with the original Vacation films, and frankly, Christmas Vacation is as funny as the original Vacation, if not more so. Uh, Randy Quaid who, of course, as anybody who's been following the news knows, is completely off the wacky deep end. But Randy Quaid is hilarious in this movie. He's so pricelessly funny. Uh, The squirrel in the tree, the whole deal, the lights on the house, great movie. I love this movie. This steel book is beautiful. Great picture of Chevy on the front of it. Uh, and Given that 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 remake of the original Vacation that they did so here horrible. a while ago, you, yeah. it, it, they held it up for three movies. Yeah, you know, then there are not a whole lot of trilogies that yeah. you know that can hold it together. Three of those Christmas Vacation movies with Chevy Chase were funny. European yeah. Vacation, the original, and the European yeah. Vacation, yeah. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, all yeah. funny movies. All funny movies. And uh, this has a great audio commentary. Randy Quaid, Beverly D'Angelo, Johnny Galecki, Miriam Flynn, and uh, director Jeremiah Chechik, along with producer Maddie Simmons. Really, really fun movie. Uh, And um, then we've got a quartet of films that are all part of the uh, uh, Hallmark Channel holiday collection. Crown for Christmas with Danica McKellar and Rupert Penry Jones. Uh, Ice Sculpture Christmas with Rachel Boston, David Alpay, and Brenda Strong. Uh, Sarah Lancaster and Brendan Penny in Tis the Season for Love. And lastly, Candace Cameron Bure and Paul Green in A Christmas Detour. What all of these have in common is that they star people you have never heard of, and they, <laughs> and they are all schmaltzy romances. Uh, a lot of those people were sitcom stars uh, between 1981 and 1982. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christmas movies also have terrible puns in their titles This may be the worst one I have ever seen uh, I, I have not seen it It's from level 33 But I've got to give them props a, a, This is probably the best cover I have ever seen for a Christmas movie yes. It is called Up on the Woof Top <laughs> yep, 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 yep W-O-O-F The two O's in Woof are Christmas ornaments Yes and it is a picture of a little puppy. Looks like a Jack Russell Terrier yeah, or a Beagle yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sticking his head out of the chimney with a Santa cap on. Uh, Santa's best friend is coming to town. That is the uh, tagline. It gets the Dove family approved label. Uh, you know what? Uh, go for it. Watch this. Let us know what you think. I, I, I will probably watch this with my daughter before Christmas just because this looks so... Up on the woof top. What it's can I tell a, it's you? It's an adorable cover. Uh, up on the woof top. It's a it's a great pun. You know, here's what I'm also going to recommend for people to. Oh, actually, here's another one. The first Silent Night, uh, hosted by Simon Callow. This is a uh, PBS thing that is uh, all about the um, uh, the the origin of uh, Silent Night. Franz Gruber, how the song was written, the circumstances of it. A wonderful story. I used to read this when I was a kid. We read this every Christmas. And uh, it is, this is the most, put it on. It's such a wonderful story, uh, how this all happened. Uh, you go to all the Salzburg destinations, the Salzburg locations where uh, this all took place. Simon Callow, such a wonderful, wonderful figure. You know, Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm-hmm. you know him. He's a great actor, good director, too. And then here, I'm going to make a recommendation. Uh, you know, we used to, what Mark and I used to do on Christmas shows, we used to talk about all the, uh, the exercise DVDs that were available to work <laughs> off the holiday pounds. <laughs> Nobody's really promoting exercise videos anymore. Apparently, that market has vanished. But you know what? I'm not going to tell people to work off the pounds. I'm going to tell you how to put them on. 
So go ahead and get yourself season eight of Cook's Country, yeah. America's Test Kitchen. Really wonderful recipes here. Uh, I'm especially enthralled by fried chicken and grilled peppers. And uh, the um, uh, some of these southern comfort uh, foods here, like like uh, Delta hot tamales. There's also a skillet roast chicken and potatoes uh, recipe that looks absolutely sensational. And uh, all, then uh, a few others. Since I don't I don't need pork or, or beef, uh, you know, I, I I've been making modifications on some of these. But the, you got things like uh, apple pie with cheddar cheese crust. Oh, lovely! Can you believe that? Lovely! My goodness! It's the exact opposite of the exercise videos. Yes. We also have Gabrielle Hamilton in uh, Mind of a Chef season four. Uh, this has a uh, this has a few really great recipes in it as well, like poulet à la crème. That means cream chicken and zucchini tops, fried zucchini zucchini tops. That's a PBS series. All of these are PBS. Yes, all of this is PBS stuff because uh, PBS is where you go to find out how to yeah. cook these days. Uh, Chef's Life with Vivian Howard, their holiday special. Which includes a PDF of all the uh, all the recipes on this, and uh, it, you'll just you'll just absolutely die. There's like a red velvet cake here that is just beyond belief, and then uh, I'll have what Phil's having with Phil Rosenthal, also PBS. Uh, he goes all over the world for some amazing foods, including L.A., Barcelona, <coughs> excuse me, Tokyo, Paris, just wonderful, uh, and uh, especially the stuff in Paris is just not to be believed. So. Yeah, load up, get fat. Outstanding. Hey, get it's, fat. It's, it's do not apologize about it. Don't exercise later either. All right, uh, Tim. I think we got some. Uh, I still got a few things over there. I want to. Um, I think you, you like. Uh, yeah, oh, there we go. You had a no. You had a few down there. As you can see, folks, we are crazy disorganized. But um, I'm going to just make quick mention right now. We have some new uh, MHZ titles. In the past, we have referred to this as megahertz. It's not megahertz. We were we were uh, we were scolded by the uh, the people and said no, it's not megahertz. It is MHZ. So MHZ uh, Choice is their new line, and uh, of course, MHZ releases really amazing European uh, foreign language drama television, the stuff that nobody else has really had the courage to uh, do anything with. And they just, keep, they just keep finding really, really great stuff. And I've got two here. Um, the, uh, the French series, A French Village, en village français. Uh, this is season one. And uh, essentially, the, this is almost kind of Downton Abbey-ish in a way. By that, I mean it's sort of it's a, it's a period show that... Uh, examines how characters' lives are impacted by the the thrust of history. And uh, this is dealing specifically with World War II, French occupation, 1940. You know, we're on the the cusp of, you know, World War II is underway, but the worst has yet to come. And, uh, you know, Germany occupies France in June of 1940. Uh, and this is this deals with how these characters deal with this, and I have never seen a French show uh, go there before. So bravo to them for doing that. And then we have two uh, two sets uh, for this series called. Oh, I know I'm going to completely mutilate the title. Uh, Fjallbaka Murders. Fjallbaka Murders. This is a Swedish show, set one and set two. Uh, this is uh, uh, all comes from the uh, uh, the uh, the novelistic crime world of uh, an, an author by the name of Camilla Lockberg, who is apparently a big deal in Sweden. Never read any of her stuff, but uh, at least to my knowledge. But in, in any case, this is a uh, some pretty gritty stuff. 
Sweden has used to make just kind of really good drama back when they just sort of had like Ingmar Bergman shows and everything's very intense, but crime is the new thing. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Girl and tattoo all that stuff. And so crime and government and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because yeah, Sweden has, has really started pioneering. They, they go deeper and darker than they even do in England with all this, uh, this crime stuff. So uh, anyway, really, really good series. Uh, some, some just fascinating uh, writing and really compelling backdrops, actually. It's, uh, mm. it's a really good show. So that's the Fjallbaka Murders. F.J. A with the two dots over it, L L B A C K A. Uh, the uh, and I guess with the, the two dots over, I guess fjell. Is that how yeah. with the two dots too? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It feels Swedish that way. It does. I, I have three uh, from the um, Warner Brothers archive collection here. Yeah, uh, great classic films here. Uh, Everything I have is yours, uh, which is of course uh, a wonderful old film from um, uh, uh, Metro Golden Mayor um, Library. Um, the girl, most likely Jane Powell, Cliff Robertson. Can't go wrong there. And The Merry Widow, Lana Turner. Also can't go wrong there. All three of these films. Not a lot coming with them, though, I must say. This Warner Arcot Clive collection, Wade, uh, they don't exactly pile on the special features and additions or anything. No, like they sure it's don't. Just, it's just all like the, 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 the film itself and yeah, its original we, we, format. This is, this is kind of a regular thing that we talk about, and, and unfortunately I haven't had a chance to even get into any of these. But the... Um, uh, yeah, they're all DVDRs. They're they're manufacturer on demand, MOD. But they do a they they're you know some of the best looking titles that you can you'll find anywhere out there. The uh, the Warner Archive people really do it. They're just they have a they 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 aren't like the 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 monkey that just pushes the the button on the machine and lets it roll. The mm. Warner Archive people are very very attentive to the archives, and they have a great team over there. So we really we love the work they do. Mostly, they're getting the movies out into the world. They're, they're getting them out into the world. They're making them available, and they are there. You know, it, there's there's something that goes on at Warner Archive that does not go on elsewhere, which is they curate the mm. films that they release. And I wish more people would uh, would appreciate the importance of curation. And that's uh, I really I, I love what they do. Well, not everything that got shot <laughs> does, yeah. needs to be out in the world. Uh, I got Joel McRae here. This is a Blu-ray, The Gunfight at Dodge City. Um, a film that I do not actually remember. Wade, do you remember this movie? The Joseph, not at all. Joseph Newman film. But Joel McRae, Joel McRae made so much stuff. You know, those they 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 crank those westerns out like programmers. Just Particularly nonstop. the period from you know 1949 yeah. to about 1959. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, then I got um, uh, first features collection, ten movie set. Another one of those ten movie sets. Introducing. Uh, th- this is this is going to be fantastic for you. These are these are introduced mm-hmm. introductory films. We've got Marilyn Monroe. We got Betty Davis. Oh, yeah. Ava Gardner, you got Bing Crosby, Clark Gable, Tommy Lee Jones, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Callie and Son, which is a movie that I really, really dug. And, I don't even care if the movies are bad. Uh, you know, and uh, young Dennis Quaid, uh, uh, young Keanu Reeves, and young Jeff Bridges, and Ying Perfect. and the Yang of Mr. Go. Nice. Uh, you know, all on this one set. These movies date back as early as about 19... Well, the old movies date back to the 30s, and some of these... Uh, that that, um, that uh, Jeff Bridges movie is a 1971 film. There we go. So that's the, you know, uh, take a look at some of your favorite movie stars when they still had hair. Nice. Uh, Attack of the Killer Bees, another 10 movie, sort of B movie collection, Killer Bees. Very clever there. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Wasp, well, yeah, right. The, the Wasp Woman, uh, Phantoms in 10,000 Leagues, Attack of the Giant Le- Leeches. All of these movies are in public domain, which is why I think they can be so easily gathered together and put together on. Uh, little collections like this. What this uh, tends to do is just give you versions that look a little bit better than what you might get when you're, uh, you know, I don't know, 
out at the uh, AM PM at night and you, you pick up one of those things that cost a buck ninety five or something like that. Yeah. Those are probably not gonna look very good. These will look much, much better. So that's Attack of the Killer Bees, a ten movie collection, uh, out from Mill Creek. Very good. Uh, Tim, let me uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock out some television here real quickly and then we'll uh, we'll close out the show. Uh, we have a few final Major TV uh, seasonal releases that might be good for people's gifts guides uh, or gift guides. So I'll I'll run through these. Uh, the uh, Sergeant Bilko Phil Silver's show collection, which is out as a complete set, but if you've been buying it in individual seasons, the fourth season, thirty-five episodes from the era when they could actually do thirty-five episodes in a given season. That's oh man, well, the, three, uh, the three networks that? actually four networks when that show was on because the Dupont network was still in the. Oh, existence. that's right! Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. I always forget that happened. Um, DuPont, which would be the Dow Network today, mm, based exactly. on that merger announcement. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, the uh, yeah, Sergeant Bilko, Phil Silver Show, fourth season, 35 episodes. Amazing how they actually could make that many episodes back in the 60s. Um, and more recently, the Emmy-winning uh, Amy Sh- Inside Amy Schumer, uh, which is season three. She's not going to be doing that much longer uh, mm. now that she's got her film career going. But Inside Amy Schumer's third season, really good. Great sketch comedy. Good writing. She is fantastic. I think she caught a Golden Globe nomination yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think she did, too. People check me on that. But I think I she did. Uh, season one of Zoo which is uh, from CBS and uh, a, based on James Patterson uh, novel. Yeah, a little bit off the beaten path for James Patterson. Kind of weird, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the idea is that uh, suddenly animals are turning on people. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like Planet of the Apes, except with all animals, or the birds maybe is yeah, a better analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see where this thing goes. I, I'm not sure that there's a lot of future to a show that's kind of post-apocalyptic animals versus human kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. Under the dome. Under the dome, season three. Uh, Stephen King. Uh, I, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I, I gave it. My, I gave it a good go. Two seasons. I'll tell you, it's a beautiful box. I mean, they, they're also from CBS. Nice, beautiful, uh, beautiful gift-worthy box. Uh, but it's still, yeah. I, I just I, wasn't as sophisticated as I was hoping it would be. I was hoping that they would get into the political ramifications of such a circumstance yeah. more than the just sort of power politics of such a circumstance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not interesting. I, I think the stress of. Um, network politics and audience expectations and the fact that every series now has to hit a home run out of the gate that you can't be like Cheers you know you remember Cheers was practically the lowest rated show on television for three years it was in the basement and then suddenly it caught on Mm. And by about its, and then in the fourth, and then I think by its fifth season, it was the number one show on television. It just steadily can't do that anymore. Yep. You got to come out, and they, they it literally, you have to prove yourself. You got like, like, like five, six episodes. You got to show that you got the stuff. And if you don't hit it around, and I think that's part of it. And too. then you're only going to have thirteen to, to to make your case in the first place. Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead, complete first season from AMC. Um, you know, I'm not really into the whole Walking Dead thing. Not and a Walking Dead guy. Y- I know, but the, the, the way Zombies. they're expanding the universe, this seems to be uh, popular with the fans. Set in L.A., what I, what's interesting yeah. about that one is set in contemporary L.A., so, you know. It's, you know, we're... Although I, I'm almost certain they don't actually shoot any of them. It's yet. not going to be as, as popular as, as the, the Walking Dead. It's yeah. not, it's, it's, it's a little bit like uh, the uh, uh, Better Off Saul, right? It yeah. sort of feels like they're still trying to milk it or Archie Bunker's place. Yeah. <laughs> right? Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like one of those things? 
Uh, CPO Sharky uh, has been out in its complete series, but that doesn't stop them from doing the best of season one. So it's basically a lot of Don Rickles uh, just being insulting. Um, it's 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 Gomer Pyle, USMC yeah. only, you know. Except instead of Sergeant Sergeant Carter, it's it's yeah, uh, it's Don Rickles. Yeah. You know, I have always wanted to see a face off between between Don Rickles and Don Trump. <laughs> I've I, I, I've really I've always wanted that I've always wanted a, to see who, a comb over face off just to just to just yell at each other and insult each other and and see who could get the other one off his game. I uh, wonder if, Rickles is funnier. I wonder if they could do well. Yeah, of course he's yeah. but, but I, wouldn't they, you think they do that for charity? You think they, I'd buy a ticket? I, I thought Don Rickles was dead. <laughs> you know I, what? I, 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 is, I don't know. But he is he is immortal. He was uh, there was a place over here um, just over the over the hill that he was uh, he performed at like six months ago. Oh, that is awesome. And he still does Vegas. He's that, amazing. That's awesome. I'll take it he back, Don. He is amazing. Down. And then the last TV uh, title here is uh, Black Sails, second season. Pretty cool. Stars. I, uh, I completely approve of this. Uh, I think this is uh, it, the whole, you know, anything that deals with, uh, you know, uh, period pirates and nautical stuff, I'm all about it. Just uh, sails and sailing ships and men with knives and guns and swords and, you know, batting yeah. batten the hatches and pull in the sheets. I love it. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Good swashbuckling television. Uh, it, obviously, yes, I know it's it's Pirates of the Caribbean for for TV. I, I get it. I'm not you know <laughs> totally, but uh, you know as shameless as that is, I think Stars has uh, pulled the trigger on a really really good one. So this is a lot of fun uh, on Blu-ray and uh, digital HD ultraviolet combo set. Perfectly wonderful. And then um, actually, before we completely go, uh, another Boys war. Foils War is uh, this is an amazing complete saga box set for for uh, Foils War is one of the best TV shows on television. Period. It's just I'm absolutely. a big fan of Mr. Kitchen for one thing. Yes, uh, another stalwart British actor whose career you can follow back fifty years now, yeah. I suppose, to the late '60s yeah. and see nothing but gems. And he's outstanding in that he's, series. He's fantastic, Michael Kitchen, great actor. I wish, wish he'd show up in some features now and again. But anyway. Uh, Great mystery, mystery series uh, takes place during World War II and all the way into the Cold War. Um, six hours of bonus features on this beautiful box set of, uh, of the complete saga. Uh, just first-rate stuff from Acorn. Uh, the uh, the hour-long Foils War Revisited Retrospective, which for fans is just not to be believed how good that is. Lots of interviews, tons of interviews. Uh, documentaries, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff on the, uh, the, you know, production and the historical backdrop and photo galleries. It's just, it's, it's educational, if nothing else. Uh, so that is Foils War, the complete saga in a beautiful collectible box that is, uh, is really, really sensational. 29 discs, so a real winner from the, the people at Acorn. And with that, uh, that is uh, that is this show. So Tim, thank you for two weeks s- before Christmas. That is. So next week uh, will be the uh, the last one until uh, Mark comes back in the New Year's. So uh, we'll see you guys again next week. And uh, for now, that's it. the The balcony is burning down. Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice?
good old present for my baby and for me. 